Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Thank you for joining us, Jay. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I am Jay or Jason, whichever you want to call me. I am a dog trainer and dog care provider for the last 19 years of my life. So first I started in a hotel. I quickly became like a lead. Um, and then a couple years later, I got my own doggy daycare and own hotel. And I ran that myself through PetSmart. Um, I was the manager. And during the time, I was doing very well, uh, especially just overall through the company. And I was getting the best customer service scores in the store. And we didn't have a salon manager. And the the store manager asked me, he said, do you think he could run a grooming salon and a pet hotel at the same time? And I said, yeah. And so I became a salon manager without ever really grooming and then that's when i started grooming i just picked it up really quickly and so about i guess that would be about three four years after i started everything i started learning how to groom dogs and all that stuff you are really focusing on teaching other people how to train their dogs and giving training education and information. Would you say that that is now your current goal is to really get this company off the ground or has it already lifted? I guess it's already lifted. Dog training right now is definitely my my main focus. That is what brought me to South Carolina. I moved here to build an animal rescue and a dog training resource center. So asking that question is kind of like a segue into where my life is going right now. I'm going back to Tampa and I'm going to kind of be going back and forth, but I'm going back to Tampa to partner with somebody to start a nationwide dog training program and business so that's that's awesome and it's you know what sometimes we might not feel like we are at one point or another but that's okay i'm sure you're building in the process and just based on your content like i know that that's going to be successful for you so i can't wait to hear uh more about that as you progress into the future congrats on the partnership I wanted to uh, take this time to move into some of the things that you also put on your bio when we talked about myths. You said dog training isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle change, uh, and that is a fact. And so can you dive into that a little bit more when it comes to training a dog? So a lot of times, especially customers, when you're doing boarding trains and just even in general. The other day I was having a conversation with someone that's not a dog person whatsoever, but they were interested in what I do. And they asked, hey, so what happens when the dog's training and comes back? Do you have to keep doing stuff or, you know, like 
the dog's good after it comes back. And I'm like, mm, if you stick up with it, yes. So when I say it's a lifestyle change, A, getting a dog in the first place is a lifestyle change. You have to prepare yourself and you know whatever you have going on in your life to welcome in this new entity, this new animal into your home and care for it. So that's already a lifestyle change. Now, people don't understand that your dog is constantly in training, whether you know it or not. And so dogs are always learning and it just kind of depends on, well, are you teaching them what you really want them to do? Or are you allowing them to figure it out or whatnot? But even when a dog get, goes to training, whether you're doing private lessons, whether you do board and train, whether you do virtual lessons, there has to be consistency across the board because no matter what, at any given time, if you stop doing whatever it is that you did to reinforce certain behaviors with your dog, then your dog will start choosing what it wants to do and choosing new behaviors. So when I say it's a lifestyle change, it's, you know, it's something that you, you have to maintain for the rest of your life. You can't just say, hey, today I taught my dog to sit. Now he's going to sit every time I ask him to. You have to follow through and reinforce and all that good stuff forever. Okay, moving on to the next myth. It's training tools such as prong collars and e-collars ruin the relationship between dogs and humans. And I would love for you to dive into this just a little bit because this is so controversial like online. And I think like um, it's banned in the prong collars are banned in the UK and people are so opinionated about it. So personally, my dog, I put a prong collar on him but I put it loose. He's he's kind of scary. You know, he's scared of the noise of it. So a lot of times I put the prong collar on loose and then connect his regular collar and walk him like that. And he behaves because he doesn't like the sound of it. There's no, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's a weird character, but I have gotten like a lot of backlash, like in my comments when they see the loose prong collar on and I'm like, whatever, you aren't there. You don't know. It's not your dog. Leave me alone. But as a trainer, that's, you know, definitely using them correctly and putting pressure um, and doing all that stuff. A, I want to know like about the backlash that you get and B, like tell people why it's okay. Ooh, that's a good one. So tools definitely get a bad rap, 100% oh. from different groups, different, you know, different people, people that don't necessarily even have never even used a prong collar or e-collar or or anything like that but as far as it ruining the relationship with the dog i've i've never after you know unless you're clearly trying to damage the relationship and and harm the dog and even with that it's not necessarily the tool that's causing the disconnect in the relationship it's your energy and the person and what energy are you going forward with using that tool? You can damage the relationship with you and your dog without a tool. People, there, there's people that have hit their dogs with newspapers, people that hit their dogs with uh, hands. There's, 
you know, people have yelled at their dogs uh, very, very loudly and and made their dog a little spookish and skittish of loud noises and things like that. So it's never the tool. Um, it's always how the tool is being used and if it's being used properly or not. I think a lot of times when people feel a certain way about a tool is just because they either A, they've never used it, or B, they weren't taught how to use it properly. Like me, for instance, I used to not necessarily be a fan of e-collars, but the first e-collar, the first remote collar that I used or tried was probably 15, 18-ish years ago. I think maybe the e-collar had five levels to it, you know, and they've they've grown in their capabilities and sensitivity and the levels that that you can that that you can adjust them at. <laughs> it sounds like it's a little bit more of like the reinforcement. So whether it's a positive reinforcement or a negative reinforcement and what your intentions are behind the tool. So that's really great advice. Um, I had a question come in on, I posted that we were going to be talking with a, with dog trainer and uh, animal professionals. And so I'd ask them questions. I have someone that has a puppy. Uh, okay. Well, the dog is, is seven months old and they are just curious about training. So uh, I could say that it's probably more of a consistency issue, but at seven months old, what are some of the things that they could be doing if they're not choosing to go to a professional to get your dog started with uh, listening or not jumping? Uh, not too long ago, I did a thing where it was just like, hey, give me best dog training advice in 10 seconds that you could possibly give. I did. I started this whole spiel on Instagram and everybody gave their 10 seconds. But mine was from the very beginning was that, hey, put your dog on a leash in a house and you'll notice how quickly the relationship between you and your dog and the behavior of your dog changes. So a lot of people don't even think about putting the leash on in the house. They think it's an only when I'm leaving the house type of situation. And, you know, you have a seven month old puppy that's going to be wandering around getting into stuff. But if you put them on leash and you can control what they're getting into, you can control if they're running around the corner and going to take a potty, you can control if they're jumping on you with the leash because no matter what dogs typically take uh physical touch as a reward and so even if your dog is jumping up on you and you go to push the dog down a lot of times that reinforces the behavior versus if you had the leash and you could you know guide them off of you uh you know a lot of people have problems with counter jumping my advice is always just put the dog on a leash and when it goes to jump on the counter, stop it. You know, it, how do I keep my dog from jumping on the couch? Put your dog on a leash and when it goes to jump on the couch, stop it, right? Um, you know, but that and starting to hand feed your dog uh, are two big, I guess, I guess major keys to to everything. Just 
hand feed your dog, put the food in a in a treat pouch or walk around with the bowl. And every time your dog engages, looks at you, you know, say yes, give it some food. Uh, every time it sits properly or does something you want it to do, say yes, give it some food. So putting your dog on a leash, A, um, it would be the first step. And two, uh, start hand feeding your dog as much as possible. That's great advice. Okay, I want to go on to like um, one of the posts that uh, I really liked and commented on. Um, don't talk to your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to my dog constantly, and I had a I dog for fifteen years before this, and like I talked to him constantly, and he was great, you know. So um, that's hard. That's uh, that's really hard. Do you mean like ever, or do you mean like just when you're training? Good question. So I mean, when you're teaching them something, right? As much as we like to think dogs fully understand us, they don't. They they just don't. They don't speak English or Chinese or Mandarin or Korean or French or Spanish or any of these other languages. To to dogs us talking just is a bunch of noise, right? Um, and when you're, when I say don't talk to your dog, I'm, I'm mostly talking about training because trust me, I talk to my dogs all the time, you know? But I guess I talk to them in a sense where I don't necessarily respect any, I don't really expect any, uh, you know, talk back, you know? It's just like a one-sided conversation, but, um, so when I say don't talk to your dogs, it's when you're training them because it can be too overwhelming or they'll pick it up. They'll understand faster if you don't talk to them. Dogs, the last sense that they use are their ears, right? And so their nose and physical and body language and their eyes, all of that comes before the ears, right? So if I'm teaching a dog something, I want them to be more so focused on my body language and, you know, the physical more so, what am I saying verbally? The verbal comes, I layer that on later, right? So the verbal comes almost last. I'll teach, I'll teach a dog to down and it's usually the last piece of the puzzle that I use is verbal. With my own dog, I use German for his commands. Um, and I use English for everybody else. But somebody asked me, how do you teach your dog different languages? And I said, well, the language does not really matter. And, you know, I made up a word or something, but I did the hand signal for down. And the dog went down and I told them, I was like, I could attach anything to the physical. I can attach any sound to the understanding of what I'm asking them. So it doesn't really matter the word. So just be quiet. Yeah. So it's cues and body language. It's not the words. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't really expect any uh, talk back either. Although it would be fun sometimes, you know. 
So you kind of guided us towards like an inside dog. So do you have, would it still be a leash if it was an outside dog or do you have a preferred method if it's going to be mostly an outside dog? Do I have a preferred method of training? Yeah. Um, so just like the top two tips for like, so you have an outside dog and they're doing the same thing. Is it, would it be the same if they're jumping outside too? Is just to always do the leash or do you find that the mentality of outside dog and inside dogs are different? Uh, I guess a good example. My uncle is a dog person and he's an old school dog person. Dogs are free. They're outside. They don't leave, you know, but as far as obedience commands, like he asked me, he's like, hey, can you train my dog for me? And I'm like, but Unc, your dog's never on a leash and you don't interact with the dog that much. So the training's not necessarily going to work because the dog has freedom all the time. When it comes down to like if it if it's an outside dog, if the dog if if the dog constantly has freedom to make its own choices then training's definitely going to take longer so you know um definitely i would use a long line if i'm outside uh but i i feel like when you're training, the only thing I need to train a dog is a leash. As long as I have some sort of attachment to the dog, I like to say that the leash is like the umbilical cord. Like that is your way of connecting to the dog. Or it's like that thing in Avatar where they connect the two and they intertwine. And it's like they are one and you can feel each other. Once you connect the leash, the dog has a direct connection to your energy, how you're feeling, your movements, your actions. So the leash is the number one training tool that we have out there. There's nothing that will ever beat the leash. It It's how all training should start. Say I come to you and I have a puppy. We'll just go with 10 weeks old. And I say, okay, what's the first thing that I need to do? The first three things that I need to do for new pet owners that might be our listener. First thing you get, you got a brand new puppy. We're going to crate train the puppy. We're going to get a crate and put him in a crate when we cannot pay attention to the dog. Um, I think when we get puppies, it's very exciting in the house and we're just like, look at the puppy go. And the puppy just starts doing all kinds of stuff, running, jumping off of things. And it's so adorable and it's fantastic, right? Because who doesn't like seeing puppies just explore and be mischievous and just do puppy stuff, right? But they're also learning while they're doing this. As soon as you bring them in the house, they're learning. So first we need to crate train them because the crate training is gonna help with the potty training. Put them on leash as soon as you possibly can and start hand feeding them food. If you start doing that at a very young age and teaching them the art of doing nothing, which is relaxing and just, 
you know, you don't always have to be jumping on me, being in my lap or sitting on my feet or biting on me. Guess what? You can lay down right here and relax while I watch Netflix or cook or whatever, but crate, leash, hand feeding. Thank you for that. And uh, what is the most common question that you get asked? I get so many questions. What's the most common one? How do I get my dog to stop? Lately, it's been peeing. I don't know if you saw, but so I, I, I took a break from social media. I came back. I did a post and it was about three dogs that uh, submissive urinate or happy pee or whatever type of pee that you get. And it's gotten over a million views now, right? I didn't know so many people were having problems with the dog peeing uh, either submissively or happily or just in the house. I've gotten so many inboxes about how can I get my dog to stop peeing in the house? It's either peeing or separation anxiety. It's one of the two are the most most commonly asked questions. Do you think that separation anxiety has anything to do with the owner just having guilt that they're away from their dog as well? Like a lot more of misdiagnosis than the dog actually having separation anxiety? Yes, a lot of times the dogs don't have separation anxiety, especially when I'm taking dogs in for training or somebody calls me and they're like, hey, I wanna get my dog trained. You know, what's the process? And they tell me what's going on with the dog. And I'm like, I tell them the time span that I need to keep the dog to fix the issues. And they're like, two or three weeks without foo-foo. And I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be okay. And they're like, I don't know if I could do it. And I'm like, mm, I can see where the separation anxiety is coming from. I don't think it's necessarily coming from the dog. And they, they look at me like, well, wait, what? I'm like, you have the attachment and your dog has picked up on that. Your dog is pleasing you, you're attached to the dog. And so you don't wanna be away from the dog. The dog doesn't wanna be away from you. Let me just, let me just chime in here. Like, yeah. and as a groomer, you're not even keeping the dog all day most of the time. And that, that the people do the exact same thing. Well, how long is it gonna be? And I used to work in like a strip mall thing. It had like a thrift store, a karate place, like really nothing there. And people would pop in and go, oh, I was just in the neighborhood. Is Fluffy ready yet? Like, where the hell were you in the neighborhood? You aren't in the neighborhood. You have anxiety being away from your dog. That is it's so true. As a person that groomed dogs, you're 100% correct. You could tell them, hey, Fluffy will be done in four hours. And then in the hour, they're calling you, is Fluffy done? It's like, I, I said four hours, but you know, it's only been an hour. But yeah, a lot of times it's not separation anxiety, but also a lot of times it can easily become separation anxiety because one, since COVID, a lot of people are working from home now and they're always with their dogs. That's why we call them... Uh, we call them pandemic puppies, right? Separation anxiety yet, but it can, it can become it. Usually it's just the dog does not like being away from the owner, which I don't think is necessarily separation anxiety yet. For me, when I'm 
thinking about separation anxiety because I've dealt with it before. I, I'm seeing dogs rip door frames off the wall, rip carpet up, destroy the entire house. Like to me, that's separation anxiety. Um, if your dog, to me, that needs to put that dog in the crate. <laughs> well, so you, so you said that, right? I dealt with a dog. They had to give the dog away. Um, it was a pit bull. It got into a fight with their other dog. And did your dog just pop up on the screen? <laughs> but anyway, so it was a pit bull. Um, they needed to find another home for the dog. I had this dog in a crate. This dog, I come home. My whole room was destroyed. Uh, the dog realized somehow, I guess it did it one time, but realized that at the bottom of the crate, the holes are bigger than the rest of the crate. So the dog pushed the crate over so that it could crawl out and bend the bars on the bottom of the crate. It crawled out of the bottom of the crate, ripped the door frame off the wall, ripped the door like a hole through the door and ripped all the carpet up. And at that point in time, I don't think ruffling crates existed yet, but that dog needed a ruffling crate. Separation anxiety is definitely a big deal. And all, all that really needs to happen is that the dogs need to learn confidence with being away from the owners. That's how you fix separa separation anxiety is building confidence in the dog whenever you were talking about so many people are having problems with the dogs peeing. Um, believe it or not, as a groomer, I get asked that question too. Right. So I, I say, well, take them outside like every 30 minutes that you're there and then take away their water. Like if they're inside in the air condition, just hanging out, they don't need a full bowl of water all day long. So what advice do you get that to like, to start that? You know, am I saying the right thing? Yeah. Let's start from the very beginning, since most people get their dogs as puppies. Yes, I know not everybody, but even if you're rescuing a dog or getting a dog and it's a couple years old, from the very beginning, potty training is based off of a schedule. You have to have a schedule and maintain a schedule with your dog to understand when it has to go to the bathroom and also teach the dog, these are the times that you're going to be able to go to the bathroom. With, yes, I always say monitor the dog's water intake because what goes in must come out. If, you, if your dog can't hold it fully yet, then no, they don't need access to water at all times. And if they do have access to water at all times, then Yes, your dog has to go to the bathroom a lot. My rule of thumb, especially for puppies, is to take your dog out after every activity. So once your dog completes an activity, your dog should have to go outside and go to the bathroom. So with a puppy, if your dog takes a nap and they wake up, take them outside. Your dog eats or drinks water, couple of minutes, take them outside. You have a playtime session in the house with your dog. After the playtime session is over, 
take them outside. After every activity, especially as a puppy, your dog is going to have to go to the bathroom. So I make sure I take them out after every single activity. And once that activity is completed, we are going outside and going to the bathroom. That and people just need to stop using potty pads in the house. Maybe we'll have less dogs peeing on everybody. Well, that's great advice. Okay, so speaking of keeping your dog on a schedule, um, my dog is it's the sun setting. This is when we go for a walk. So he's been barking at me, actually. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. The one thing I did want to ask you about um, is uh, through having a dog page with, and I have a pit bull and I follow and have tons of friends with pit bulls. Um, a lot of them struggle with um, a little bit of reactivity and barrier aggression, including my dog. He's very barrier aggressive when it comes to a fence. Do you have any advice? Uh, just like a little tidbit on that of like how you can, you know, steer them away from that. You know, I know the leash maybe, but give me your best advice on that one. So with reactivity, reactivity is a, is a very uh, layered topic, layered subject. So with fence play, sometimes it's not even true on aggression, but when dogs are being uh, withheld from something, they get frustrated. And then that frustration tends to transform into reactivity. One, if I had a dog that was outside and could see people walking along the fence, first off, I would make sure they had a proper recall. So in case things got a little bit too hectic, I could call the dog. But one thing that I would do is to try to get the dog to not be guarding the fence as much, right? So even with people that they have, the dog will sit and it'll sit on the couch and look out the window and build up this anxiety of people and things walking by all day long. And so now it has all this frustration built up and now it's finally outside and it's just waiting for Samantha and Fuzzy Wuzzy to come down the block because they've been waiting on Fuzzy Wuzzy all day and they've been looking out the window. And so Fuzzy Wuzzy comes down the corner, around the corner, and Rufus just goes crazy at the fence. Sometimes it's not even in an aggressive nature, but they're letting out that frustration. That's why a lot of times you'll see that when dogs are not being withheld and they're not being restrained, i.e. they're not on leash, they don't have a barrier between them, and they meet a dog face-to-face and they have freedom, there's a lot less reactivity and dogs do better because they don't feel that restraint and they're not building up that frustration and they're not feeling the tension and the frustration of the owner that might be holding the leash. Reactivity is, it, it can it can stem from so many things. It can be aggressive reactivity. It can be overly excited reactivity, but you just have to figure out the root cause of it. Like, is my dog frustrated? Why are, why are they frustrated? 
why are they reacting like this and how can i get their attention off of that so whenever i'm fixing reactivity i want them to be able to acknowledge their trigger and break away from their trigger and understand that i like to recondition the trigger for something else okay you see a dog okay instead of barking at the dog i want you to see the dog look at the dog and then come back to me and when you do that, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to play with you. I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to give you food, et cetera, whatever it is. But I want you to think that interacting with me is more promising and more fulfilling than barking at that other dog or running up and down the fence. You know, I'm waiting right here with the tug toy. So you don't have to get frustrated. I'm here to play with you. I don't know if I answered your question, but. Yeah, that was actually great advice. Okay, so thank you so much for being a part of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast pet series. We really enjoyed having you on. Katie, did you have any final questions? I guess, have you ever trained a cat? (laughs) That's funny. I used to seriously dislike cats. One, well, I'm allergic to dogs and other animals and nature in general, but I'm, I'm also allergic to cats. And so, you know, my family never got a cat. And then when I worked at the Pets Hotel, we boarded cats. And I'm here to tell you that boarding cats is not the smartest thing to do, Um, especially when they're being put in a small little cubicle. Cats do not like it. So my first real time spent with a lot of cats was at a boarding facility and the cats hated it. And so I really disliked cats because they all tried to kill me, right? They're only there for a short time. They're always being taken out of their environment, thrown in these little cubicles. But then I ended up getting cats and I found that I love cats. And I also found that probably more people would like cats if they got cats. And sometimes when people think that they want a dog, they really should get a cat because they don't have that much time. But as far as training them, you know, if you keep up with it, you can train cats to do certain things. Like my cat knows if I walk up to it and I tap on my chest or I tap on my shoulder that I want it to jump up, climb up my chest and sit on my shoulder. And so she would just sit on my shoulder and I could walk around the house with her sitting on my shoulder or my head or something like that. But no, I haven't trained cats to do too much. But cats are fun. I like cats. And I think every dog owner should probably have a cat. Or at least every dog trainer should have a cat because they make proofing that much enjoyable. And if your dog can stay in place while a cat walks next to it and smacks it with its tail, then the dog has learned place pretty well. That was really cute. And yes, if you try to get a cat to get out of their environment or do anything else, I know like having to put them like in a little kitty kennel to travel or something like that as an absolute nightmare. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listener where they can find you? Well, you could find me on, if you're on Instagram, you could find me at Capo de Cani, that my business is Got Dog Training. I call everyone that has used my services, part of the family. 
So I also go by Got Dog Family. I like to think if you got dog, you got family no matter what. And you can find that at www.gotdog.training. And same thing on Instagram and Facebook. If you look up Got Dog Training or Got Dog Family, I'll pop up. Don't hesitate reaching out to me on social media. And even if you just need to ask a question, I answer people's questions all day long on social media about dog training and stuff like that. So look for me, Capo de Cani, on Instagram and Capo de Cani on TikTok. Thank you for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.